Hello, I'm Tally Masiri, editor of Real Deals, and here is a snapshot of our recent due diligence roundtable discussion, where I was joined by Lizzie Wills from WA Communications, Matt Farnsworth from RPS Group, Bruce Douglas from Confidus People, Tom Raymond from Armstrong, Flair Hicks from 140, Chris Goodall from CG Consultancy, Bill Prue from Indos, and Edgar Kolesnik from Abris Capital. In this session, we discussed the evolution of the DD process in the last year and how DD assessments have a vital role to play in value creation. So to begin, after a year in lockdown, what have been the key learnings and changes made by DD providers and funds in due diligence processes? Bill, perhaps you could start and then Bruce and Tom, if you could also share your thoughts on this. My experience has been it's been very much, you know, a lot of on-site work, albeit enhanced Mm. technological means over the years so I think there was that initial adjustment period um, through that um, you know we, we've seen a lot of our clients have uh, really seen a slowdown in capital being allocated a lot of the times it's been investors investing who they know rather than new managers mm. but I think the world is now in the sort of post the initial six months has moved on and and frankly, investors have adjusted to a new way of working and had because they've got capital to deploy. So um, I suppose they've also gained confidence now in using new tools or new methods and, and so on. And I guess there's been positives and negatives, haven't there? Is that on the positive side, the whole of lockdown and tools like this has meant that people can access more individuals of the manager without having to sort of schedule diaries and availability, people aren't traveling. So there are, they are available. And my talking to investors, I get the impression they've probably been, it's been more efficient for them as a result because they can mm-hmm. form a quicker view without having to schedule on-site uh, meetings and so on. So it's, it's been interesting because we've always had an element of remote working in what we do. Okay. Um, and then probably only a couple of days on-site with management usually. So we do a lot of the work behind the scenes um, whether that's through referencing or, or, or the confirmatory um, due diligence that we're doing on the people. But mm. then the face-to-face part of it, um, that's changed quite dramatically. It's become more efficient for the management teams, mm. giving them a slightly better experience so they can plug it into the, the rest of the work because diligence is such a busy time. So we've been jumping on calls at seven in the morning or eight o'clock at night sometimes with them just to, to fit it in around the rest of the stuff that's going on. Yeah, um, It's become more clinical. Um, you know, uh, to Bill's point, sitting with somebody for a few hours and getting to know them and, and forming a, an opinion or that, that perhaps might have a, a slight unconscious bias in it. Mm. So the, the, they become more clinical, arguably they become slightly more detailed um, uh, reports as a result of that. And I suppose the other part of it, we've been seeing more members of a management team than we normally would. Mm. Uh, previously investors would, would probably look, ask us to look at three or four people that they saw as being key. Sometimes yeah. seeing that going up to eight people now just because they haven't been able to spend time with people, get to know people as well. Building on what people have already said, I'd agree, there's been a separation of work into very effective work, which has been done face-to-face and very efficient work, which is done remotely. And I think benefits from, yes, uh, lack of bias, a a clinical, delighted, dispassionate approach, which is very useful for our methodology. Um, And I think we'll be carrying that forward and separating those two elements of work into efficient and effective in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the key questions uh, and the key topics that GPs are asking for, I think those have evolved substantially. I think the, you're absolutely right, Bill. You know, the first couple of months was all about 
will the business survive and how do we make sure it survives in the best shape it can? And then since then, the response has been, how can the business adapt to COVID? And actually then beyond COVID, how can the business adapt to capture the positives out of this, the, the switch to digital, the increase in um, things like access to skills through remote working, use of digital technology for efficiency. And when it comes to due diligence, what areas are getting more attention today in comparison to before the pandemic? Lizzie, could you start us off with this one? And then Tom, if you could add your add your thoughts after this. Yes, absolutely. And I think there's definitely a few things that are getting more attention um, than before the pandemic for obvious reasons. Um, I think the key thing from our perspective um, is the sort of the long-term fiscal um, approach that the government is going to take because obviously that is going to have a wide-ranging impact on the economy as a whole and on all the businesses that operate within it. Um, so the government's you know, been very clear that it has been a tough 12 months for the public finances and that the big black hole that we are now facing is going to have to be filled at, at some point. Um, and that you know, difficult decisions, um, in Rishi Sunak's words, are going to have to be taken um, in due course. The government decided that, you know, the budget in March wasn't necessarily the time to make big tax rises or to make any long-term um, changes to um, the government's approach, but that's not to say that that won't be coming down the line quite quickly, and it's definitely a case of when rather than if those taxes um, are changed or raised, um, and it looks very much like business taxes are going to be where the government is looking to raise that additional revenue. First of all, I'd agree that um, we're seeing more digital technology and ESG diligence. I think that's going to continue. I would just build on that. So I think we're also seeing a lot more integration of findings from across the, the DD suite to actually move from just deal diligence into value creation. In the last year, the uncertain landscape meant, has meant that DD has been taken even more seriously. Um, do you think this is set to continue and how do you see kind of due diligence moving forward? Do you maybe agree with, with Tom in terms of things working together? Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I would echo Tom on two points, actually. Um, first one being that the, the uncertainty means that the kinds of diligence that people are looking for up front is, in the first instance, a, a re-navigation of the landscape. So it's an understanding as to whom the true competitors, for instance, are now compared to 12, 24, 36 months ago, etc. Um, and then secondly, it, it's about bringing that comfort um, to the future around the uncertainty. Um, the, the forecasting and, and the COVID question being core to everything, but actually it's comfort around the fact that technology and infrastructure is in place in order to yes. see said asset across a whole um, realm of, of verticals through the next three, four, five years or, or well beyond the holding period hopefully um, and, and to in order to understand that you've got to look at obviously the digital data sets as Edgar mentioned, um, looking at infrastructure, looking at the, the managerial culture um, around considerations of ESG, technology, um, 
workforce compliance, etc. So there are many things around that. But I would also say, actually, in addition to the uncertain landscape, the reason I would say that that DD demand um, and and I guess serious consideration is set to continue, particularly in firms where they wouldn't necessarily have procured it um, okay. originally, is is because of the competition levels. There, there are there there are so many assets coming to market and there are so many firms looking for good assets that actually early stage DD and th that comfort and also that um, competitive advantage on the GP side in early stages mm. is becoming ever more important. And, and Matt, do you, do you agree there in terms of, kind of the this importance of, of DD as something here to as, as something being here to, here to stay? As Fleur quite rightly mentioned, it's that early stage conversation about a business. Are they adaptable? Have they responded well to this pandemic? And, and Ed Edgar, from your perspective, um, what kind of do you think DD is going to be taken more seriously by, by yourself and your firm going forward? Um, and how has the pandemic changed your view of due diligence? Businesses are experiencing this unprecedented changes across all sectors. Uh, some companies are benefiting, uh, some are completely disrupted. And uh, the importance of this robust due diligence, as Tom mentioned, it's currently multidimensional and it's much more integrated when we do commercial due diligence, accompanied as well by technical due diligence, there are as well kind of legal streams, uh, talent management, and, and, and multiple streams are kind of viewed, uh, reviewed as by us in a kind of comprehensive and, 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 and complex way. And uh, we want to assess the COVID complexities, but as well the uh, feasibility of the growth plans. Mm -hmm. And today's evaluations uh, require from GPs to generate much more value uh, if we are to deliver strong results as in the past. Mm -hmm. It is uh, uh, clear that this time we will have to do it in, in a much more volatile and uncertain business environment. So as somebody else mentioned, uh, as opposed to just purely due diligence of the uh, past performance, we need to look at much more at value creation opportunities and how we get there. Already been in terms of um, the wall of dry powder. So how has kind of the dry powder in the market impacted vendor CDD over the last 12 months? Um, Tom, have you got any thoughts on this? The vendor, the quality of vendor CDD in the last 12 months um, has got even worse. And, and that's quite an achievement, really, given the 400-page doorstep hagiographies that were in word distribution anyway. Um, and it's simply a result of the, the, the amount of dry powder out there chasing the relatively small number, of, particularly of high-quality deals that Fleur so eloquently described earlier. Um, and it, it is a real shame because vendor diligence in concept should be a helpful product. But... Um, uh, we're having you know, an increasing number of conversations. Uh, well, I was talking to a, a senior partner of a, um, a large mid-market uh, mid private equity firm a couple of weeks ago, and he says he doesn't even read the vendor diligence anymore, uh, the vendor commercial diligence, because it's just the IM on different paper. So he sends it to us now and then asks us two questions. First of all, uh, what, what, do I do, what does it not tell me? And how much is it going to cost me to get something decent building on what's already there? And uh, the answer a lot of the time is we have to almost start again, which is a real shame. Great. Thanks, Tom. And then Chris, do you have any, thought, any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's just it's an interesting observation that Tom's made about the, the vendor um, 
commercial due diligence because we've seen a bit more of a, a pickup or interest on the, the tech side for that. Okay. So a couple of our sort of more regular PE customers have um, you know, been quite active in, in, in preparing when there's a business for, ready for exit and in preparing them for exit, but also to get um, the, the tech VDD done. And I guess I'm sort of sat on the fence of it. I think if it's done well, it can be very useful for the other side to get a good view up front. And it almost reduces your, you know, from the buy side's information request going in. If it's really good, you don't, you don't necessarily have to ask too much, you know, but... Yeah. I wonder if that's different with the commercial DD side of things where it might be um, possibly more fluffy or woolly or more salesy, you know, is, is that the problem with that? And Matt, how has this increased pressure by investors on GPs changed the way in which you're working with firms? And how are PE firms responding to these pressures? I think uh, what we're actually seeing is a change um, in the culture and approaches of the investee companies. Um, as a result of this, um, mm. we've seen quite a solid, solid uptake in comp corporates and and people who are already have an investor base uh, coming to us, and they're asking questions about what can they do to prepare for the, the questions from their investors. Certainly, mm. the disclosure regulations might be driving some of that demand, um, but the investees are keen to to keep investors invested in their business. Um, and, and they recognise that having access to finance and funding is is quite critical going forwards. Yeah. And in, at these times, it's a competitive market. And the point of difference between firms that are all vying for the same pot of cash may naturally come down to ESG performance. So companies have been looking at ESG in some way through existing sustainability and CSR programmes for a, a long time. Mm-hmm. But they're now flipping this around and honing it down so that uh, it's very much focused on what the investors need. And then finally, how important is due diligence in the value creation process? Bruce and then Matt, perhaps you can conclude on this for us. The, the, the joined up approach from different diligence providers and contributing to value creation is obviously important. And then making sure that the, mm. the manager are capable of that, because often when we go to a stage of, of getting to investment, the, the skills, the mm. challenges, the expectations are much greater post-investment. So really understanding sure. to maximise the use of that management team with the value creation that recommendations from the various DD providers just, just absolutely crucial to, to really making a success of the investments. Yeah, just had a, a very final point similar to, to Tom's really is that this is a golden opportunity. We've worked with increased digitisation and we've cut down on our travel. And as the UK moves towards net zero, uh, target there is a great opportunity there to to reiterate that there's been some lessons learned from this process from covid and with our reduced travel emissions we've got not only a moral obligation but a statutory one um to uh, to keep those emissions down and perhaps keep uh, doing some more of the remote due diligence that we've been doing